Positivity Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Phil and joining me as always is my partner in crime, Rohan. How's it going? Hey, good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And joining us from the United States again, uh, another one from the United States, is Aaron. How's it going? It's going well, thank you. And whereabouts in the US are you from, Aaron? Uh, I am located in St. Louis, Missouri, so about as central in the United States as one could possibly get. Nice. And uh, you're probably better well known as uh, Geek of Week on the Discord channels and GitHub. So thank you for sharing your config with everyone. Yeah, no problem. And on Reddit as well. I go under the same handle. Ah, well done. Yes. So uh, we have a new release, which is 0.71, which let's get straight into. Um, The first new feature uh, this week is the support for Xiaomi Smart Locks. I love my Xiaomi gear. Yeah, that's right. And it's, yeah, cool to see. Uh, I can't even believe like they make smart locks, but yeah, apparently they have locks as well. So I guess if you want to let China into your apartment, there you go. There's smart lock support now. Which is, which is interesting because I, I, so I've been looking at smart locks and I was looking at uh, a couple that we get here. And the one thing that I'm, that the only thing that's kind of making me shy away from it is um, the tendencies of it being bumped and stuff like that, right? It's, it's I think, Wiser, their Kivo, the first generation of it, uh, actually had a huge problem behind there. So I'm, I'm curious to know how uh, how the Xiaomi uh, fares relative to things like that. So uh, I believe... So do you mean like just like easily like, you know, putting a credit card through to bump open the door sort of thing? Yeah, like or 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 like you know, it can be picked easily or or wh- whatever it is, right? So I yeah. I know they did uh, they did fix it in the second iteration of the uh, of the Kivo, and uh, but you know it's still still a problem though, right? Um, I, that that just kind of put me off of smart locks for a little bit. <laughs> it, I have the uh, the Schlag connects. Okay, those are those are fairly decent. Um, I've read some of those too. I think those were a little better in terms of lock picking, but that wasn't like they said they were on par with kind of the normal consumer grade locks. And I think that's probably what a lot of us tend to do is be a little more critical when we start looking at the smart things. I think if we compared it to like a normal home lock, it probably be in the same boat of you know they're really not all that great at a consumer level <laughs> yeah yeah fair yeah because they're busy like advertising you know oh we've got military right. grade encryption and right. you know we're hacker proof which is fine but that doesn't mean it's you know criminal proof that someone can just right. walk up and use a crowbar to get in sort of thing exactly the, the way i always looked at it was is uh you know if they're going to take the time to try to hack my door code the door is mostly made out of glass yeah. So it's only going to keep the honest. They're going to take out. the path of the path of least resistance would be to uh, put a brick through the put a brick, yeah. door window. Anyway, right? if they go through that much trouble, then eh, all right, you earned it. Well, yeah. that's it. Very nuts. But I am interested about the the Xiaomi ones. There is a uh, device manufacturer. I don't own any, but I keep hearing more, especially on the podcast, previous episodes. I keep hearing more about them, getting a little more intrigued, especially on the sensors, because I have a hard time finding like the kind of small sensors that just do a little thing, you know, because humidity sensors or other type of Mm. things like that. So I've become more and more intrigued by some of their products. Yeah, I think their premise is just cheap and cheerful, right? So, you know, it's not super expensive. And uh, a lot of times, for me at least, I'm not sure how it is, how it'll be for you guys uh, down south. But for me, it takes a little bit of a time 
to get here from China or wherever using AliExpress. So I think when I ordered the uh, the plant sensors, I think those showed up like what a month after <laughs> after I ordered it or something like that, right? So I think that's just everywhere. Like Australia's right near China as well, but you know, it takes us you know a good month to get anything out. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. If it's direct, if it's direct from China, even for in the middle of the U.S., it can take some time. Yeah. So. So that that that's the only trade off, right? But I think uh, I think I know I know Phil's a huge fan of uh, of Xiaomi, so like it's not like they just make so many things. It's not even like I've seen um, uh, automatic umbrellas, like Xiaomi automatic <laughs> umbrellas that they make. Like, come on, like how much stuff can this company make? Like, yeah, drink bottles and like it's just crazy. And then I think they've even got like a lot of smart home gear. Like there's um uh, curtain blind controllers there's yeah so many cool things that they're doing yeah yeah it's it's funny because until just now i did not know an automatic umbrella is a thing i guess i'm living in the yeah, past now you need to buy yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> so anyways moving on uh so we've also got the Legoot lw12 wi-fi led control added uh i have no idea if i'm pronouncing that right so i apologize if i'm not l-a-g-u-t-e so just another uh, Wi-Fi LED controller from uh, from a light uh, light controller perspective. Yeah, control like uh, LED strips yep. and yeah, but through Wi-Fi, which is really yeah. cool. Um, we also have now this one's uh, I have no idea how this is pronounced. Iperf three, yep. IPF. Yeah, Iperf. cool. Uh, they've got uh, client sensors, so it's um, now possible to use the Iperf three to test your network connection um, against a local or remote Iperf three server. So. People using IPerf three. That sounds like uh, you'd be interested in that. Yeah, that's actually an interesting one because that's not. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that is interesting. I was just like, ooh, I didn't, I didn't read about this one. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm already running through my head what I could do with this. Yeah, nothing super useful, no. but I could test some <laughs> endpoints. You know, that's right. Well, I guess it would be good for just like network monitoring, you know, another heartbeat uh, oh, sensor. Oh, well, the and you know, I've I've had scenarios with uh, previous ISPs where things would drop a lot. Yeah, you think you have a problem, but they're saying mm. you don't, and where you could just run a constant test and log when it was <laughs> dropping out and when you were having problems, and have all this data to give back to them. Because I, I could tell you, I've had that problem yeah. before. Totally, but that's actually kind of it's actually kind of cool that it's integrated in now. Yeah. Uh, coming from somebody who's yeah, in a network world, that's that's neat. Yeah, that, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that one is neat. Uh, so also we've got Homatic IP. Um, I believe there was one last week as well. Um, yeah, there was. So this is the cloud climate uh, sensor, which I guess uh, connects into their their uh, climate based hub yeah nice and uh hydrowise component has been added in so if you uh use the uh wi-fi uh, hydrowise irrigation controller you can now control that through home assistant which is really nice. cool i really love irrigation controllers and have, would love if i had a house that uh had power outside i would definitely run automated irrigation controllers so yeah th- this has been and i don't have an irrigation system but i've been looking yeah. into them Mostly so I could integrate them into uh, my smart home setup. And I also don't like watering plants. Uh, <laughs> but figuring out how to get that in. And I've been like over the past few weeks looking at different systems. So additional ones I think are always good. Yeah. Yeah. The more choices you have, right? So I know, I know, uh, back here yeah, last week was, uh, or last episode was, re- uh, was 
pretty happy with the uh is it the rain machine that he had yes it is yeah so but uh which uh which he's just added in uh, some more uh sensors and services right. for the rain machine as well in this release too that's right and then yeah so for what it's worth uh also uh the ryobi uh garage door opener so if you have uh one of those you can now integrate that into uh home assistant so i know a lot of people have the chamberlain myq sensor uh not sensors chamberlain myq uh garage door openers and uh you got a little more uh, a little more choices now yeah that's that uh, i ha- i have the myq and i have seen the ryobi uh hit the hardware yes. store before so that's interesting the more that they can add to that cuz i and i could talk about that a little later but the myq is works pretty well for me but you know, sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, I'm always like, okay, what else is out there and what else is supported by home assistant? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the nice things I like in, I think some of the newer MyQ, I'm pretty sure mine has it. I need to check. Uh, and the Ryobi ones is the external battery uh, for a backup. So one of the things is I don't have a door between my garage and my house. Uh, so if I park my car in the garage and my power goes out, well, <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot for that one. So, uh, yeah, I am in so the having same a backup battery becomes important. <laughs> right, right. Um, and we also have a new notification platform added in Flock. So, if you need another way to, or Home Assistant to tell you notifications, you can now use Flock That's as right. well. F L O C K. I should just. Make sure I'm pronouncing that <laughs> so no one thinks I'm swearing. Oh, you're good. Um, so we have more HomeKit support. So we can now do media players, automations, and switches. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah, I cool. think the the HomeKit stuff has been pretty great at the rapid pace that it's kind of hit. So I've, I'm always happy to read that. I actually just last, last week, I think, or maybe the week before, I got rid of HomeBridge and switched to the... Uh, home assistant home oh, nice. setup. Yeah, it's got to be getting pretty close now where it will yeah. be like it, feature parity where it would be just easier to use home hit, assistant for it now. Yeah, it hit all the things that I wanted to use, which is pretty basic, you know, lights and locks and uh, garage door covers, a few things. Uh, but I, I always like seeing the additional stuff. I mean, the, the, the pace at which they're adding new stuff has been really yeah. great. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because... Um, you you see that there's you can do more through HomeKit right now, in my opinion, than you can uh, natively through uh, the Amazon Echo or, or Google Home, right? Just just through I'm saying through integrating it with uh, with Home Assistant. So uh, right, well, it makes I mean the the amount of stuff that you can now expose through because Home Assistant supports probably more than you know any other kind of consumer level off the shelf devices you're going to get and then be able to bridge those into a platform like home home kits. Pretty yeah, amazing. Sure. So, but yeah. And then there's, there's more improvements on some of those home kit packages as well. Um, or sorry, sorry, not, not home. Well, I think packages. this one is actually yeah, uh, improvements, improvements for packages. Yes. Yeah. Like packages in general. Yeah. Um, so I use packages for my home assistant config and one of the downsides uh, to it was um, some components like home kit, uh, you couldn't uh, specify in multiple places. So if you wanted to include uh, your kitchen lights in one package and then include the bedroom lights in another package for HomeKit, you couldn't actually do it. But uh, there's now an update that will allow you to specify those top-level uh, packages in several locations. A lot of them, like sensors and automations, you could already do that. But this um, extends it now to a lot more 
Um, so that's really cool. Also, uh, Nest has been updated to use Cloud Push. So that's kind of cool. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what that actually entails, but. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, instead of it polling Nest for changes. So if you like, I guess, assume if you changed it on the thermostat itself, it will then push instead of Homus is saying, hey, did you change anything? Oh, hey, right. did you change anything? It will exactly. Nest will tell Home Assistant, "Hey, cool. I just changed something." Really yeah, those. That's always I, I. I like it when I see if you're going to have to use a cloud component, uh, which I know some people are against, but if you are, a lot of stuff still. Yeah. That's how it works. Uh, this is a much yeah, better a way to do it. By a little, I mean a lot. Yeah, a lot more efficient. Yeah. Uh, okay, some breaking changes. Um, the Australian Bureau of Meteorology Sensor has had. A couple of breaking changes just for wind direction and wind speed. So if you're using the bomb sensor, make sure you just update uh, your okay. I was wondering what the that. BOM sensor is. I was like, uh, bill of materials sensor? Okay. That 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 makes more sense. No. <laughs> that was that was exactly where my mind <laughs> went right. with it too. Uh, also they removed the uh attribute uh, for current time from rain cloudy sensors. Um, and that way to it, that's to avoid it being triggered by uh, the recorder component. Yeah, and unfortunately, another sad one is notify my Android, which is a pretty popular notification platform, has been shut down as of the May twenty fourth. So, uh, if you were already using notify my Android, you probably already know this, but the component has now been mm-hmm. removed from Home Assistant. So, also, Coin Market Cap uh, has a breaking change uh, for all of your Bitcoin needs. Uh, <laughs> it's no longer it's no longer possible to query the ticker by the name of the currency. So let's say you'd say like Bitcoin or something like that. So they use IDs instead. So uh, I guess there's some kind of, there's some kind of mapping. So instead of Bitcoin, you might say one or something similar. Um, and then uh, the rounding of decimals is also configurable now. Uh, so, because it made no sense, I guess, to, to round to two decimals if uh, if the currency, if the display currency was like BTC, for example. So Yeah, it's got many decimal yeah. places. Uh, isn't it funny, like now we haven't had that many uh, components added to monitor the price of Bitcoin. I know. Almost six months ago, it was all another... Bitcoin market. Yeah, there, there is, there's, and we, we used to joke about it both on and offline about how many, how many Bitcoin sensors <laughs> there are, right? But I, I guess that also kind of talks to the velocity of, of, uh, not necessarily Bitcoin, but of, of cryptocurrency, right? So yeah, exactly. Um, another breaking change. Uh, this one, unfortunately, for Z-Wave users, a uh, little of a, a fix-up just to give unknown Z-Wave nodes uh, a better name uh, if the Z-Wave node couldn't be uh, passed for the manufacturer and the product. Uh, so just check the notes against the release notes if you're using Z-Wave and you've ever had an unknown device come up. Yeah. Uh, also, we now allow, uh, for allowed user-defined sensors, uh, the net data sensor was reworked so uh, so that it can essentially have all of, this, all of the information from net data. So what that means is it, is it essentially means that you need to... Uh, change your settings for the net data sensor. Net data. Yeah, nice. And uh, a breaking, well, not necessarily breaking change, but sort of a, a safety measure has been added into Home Assistant where you can now, you can no longer uh, trigger an automation without specifying an entity ID. 
So previously, if you went to trigger an automation and didn't specify the entity ID, right. it would trigger all of your automations, which you might not want to do. I don't think that would ever be a good idea. But if you uh, do want to trigger all your automations at once, don't forget you can use the group uh, all, all underscore automations yeah. to do it. What's uh, what's what's nice is so it, one of the one of the things that uh, Home Assistant changed a little a little while ago, and I was just thinking about this is uh, the way the way they change the release cycle. So RC, for example, so they have the RC releases and then they have the actual the actual uh, proper releases. And uh, if you notice, the breaking changes uh, section has been getting a lot smaller. So which uh, which means that RC kind of methodology is actually working a little better. Yeah, that yeah. To, to me, that's been great. Like that kind of switch where it is, it is stabilized so well. And I think the maturity too of the platform, but you know, each egg, when a release hits, I yeah. think there's less problems yeah. because of that. Uh, and the breaking changes are kind of a little less and less now. And I, I do think it speaks to the maturity. Yeah. No, of the I, I agree well. completely. So, uh, some noteworthy updates. Um, so there's been some updates to the Vera component, uh, to improve the stability of the pole loops. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. I use Vera. So any improvements to there stability are greatly appreciated. Um, auto discovery for nano leaf aura lights. Those really cool looking, uh, light panels that you can stick on your wall can now be auto discovered in home assistant. That's kind of neat. Um, uh, transmission download client, uh, has some new sensors now. So it also now tells you, uh, pause torrents and, uh, and total torrents for all of your downloading needs. Yeah. Oh, that's Good to have. Yeah. Uh, another update for Nest. So there is a new sensor, the Nest Away binary sensor, and also a sensor which will tell you um, the estimated time of arrival. Oh, um, so it'll give you a, a timestamp. Yeah, very creepy, right? <laughs> but it will uh, let your home assistant know uh, what Nest thinks your earliest time of arrival will be, and you can use that to trigger some that's cool neat. automations. Uh, that's yeah. It. That one's that's, in, that's uh, interesting. I guess I'm guessing that must use GPS on your phone or something like that. Uh, that, or I think it maybe it's an yeah. I don't use Nest, but the learning mode. So it's uh, you know yeah. it's supposed to learn when you come and go, and is probably its guess on when it thinks you're going to, yeah. you know, either be home or not home. Well, that's neat. So then you get to tap into Nest's sort of you know but, yeah their brain. algorithm. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and work out you know okay if the Nest is going to turn the heater on, well then right. I know I can want to turn the, the the oven on and yeah. start preheating that for cooking or anything like that, <laughs> that that's hoping that their <laughs> algorithm works reliably well it's, 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 yeah. it's funny because <laughs> I, I think that really right. depends on uh on kind of your municipality or, or county or whatever because for every right. every everywhere i've lived in uh so like you know my place my parents place any any of my friends places that i've seen or anything like that the thermostat's always out of out of sight out of mind Meaning, I'm not walking by it to trigger to trigger. Hey, I'm here, right? Um, so mine in my place is also similar, right. but luckily it's it's near my home office. So I just by virtue of being working from home a lot of the time, I, it it does you know I do end up walking by it, but that's not you know so so this kind of intelligence might not work uh, as well as as you expect it to for if if it's not posted in a place where you you're walking around a lot. Yeah, I think. I- I think you'd have to be the kind of nest ideal candidate of your schedule's a little more routine. It is in a place where yeah. it's going to pick you up walking by. Uh, but in those cases, I, I think it probably would work well. 
but you'd have yeah, to be exactly. that kind of that ideal exactly. candidate, or, or or even in a condo, right? So if you're in an apartment or flat, something like that, then it's right. It's a little little uh, nicer. So um, so also there's uh, services for adding adding and removing uh, items to your shopping list. So that's kind of cool. Do we do we? That's really we, cool. I I would have thought that would have come out in like the yeah. What is is this shopping a native list, shopping really cool. list? What is what is that? So Home Assistant has a shopping list component. Um, which just stores things. You can, um, if you use uh, the Chrome browser and you have, I believe it's the conversation uh, yeah. endpoint turned on Home Assistant, you can then just, you know, talk to Home Assistant directly from a tablet, you know, press the microphone in the corner and say, you know, add, you know, milk to the shopping list and it will record it in the Home Assistant's internal shopping list component. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's not one I yeah. thought about <laughs> do, actually using. I, I didn't either. I don't even think I knew I could do it. <laughs> so there would be some cool things. So you could do a count like, you know, if you open the fridge, you know, every 20 times you open the fridge, add right. milk to the shopping list or something like that. Ah, I see. Now you're thinking, yeah. You're, yeah. you're already running through the automations for it. So <laughs> yeah, you yeah, would have thought of that cool. one. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, it's just as simple as adding those services. I think, okay, yeah, now right. that there's a service right. available, yeah, absolutely, you can automate adding stuff to the shopping list. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Or you could even get something like, I'm just thinking out loud here, guys, sorry, um, like a, a water level monitor, um, put it on, you know, measures, you know, how much is in a jug of water or something. And then if it gets, maybe you could put some milk in there. And once the milk gets too low, it will then, you know, add milk to the shopping list. And then once you refill it with milk, it will then remove milk from the shopping list because you've already refilled it, cool. something yeah. like that. Yeah. Hopefully hopefully that component is waterproof or milkproof. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, another good noteworthy feature uh, for Sensibo users is you can now monitor the battery level of your Sensibo device. So you can now get Home Assistant to alert you to change the batteries before Neat. you get home and the AC is not working. Uh, also, uh there's an addition of the uh, for Cody for uh, an on resume event. So when you hit play again, mm, that'd be cool for home theaters. Hit play. Yeah, and that'd be kind of neat. Light stim so. straight down again. And uh, other places in Home Assistant land, um, Frank has released the Haslio add-on for Node Red, and uh, Reddit has been going crazy for Node Red in the Home Assistant subreddit over the past, basically, the last couple of months. So. It's good to see that there is now an official add-on for Hasoyo users that want to get in on that node red yeah. goodness. Yeah, I, I, I would probably say I would saw that kind of coming because the, like you said, the drumbeat yes. for it has gotten louder. Very loud. Uh, the, the, the conversations kind of sprung up and I was like, oh, what's this node red? And then just get everybody, you know, especially on the subreddit is... Everybody yeah, just yeah. talks about Node Red now. Well, it's it's so, it's, it's interesting. It's funny because it's exactly what you said, right? Which is, you know, I di- I didn't even like I didn't I didn't look too hard, but I didn't I didn't realize this existed. And then all of a sudden, you just see Node Red, Node Red, and I was just like, "What's Node Red?" And then, and I look into it, and I'm like, right. "Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah." It's exactly. Apparently, what the I rest did. of the world discovered it before I did, and I was like, "Huh, mm-hmm. okay." Um, so now, uh, also going on, uh, OpenHab actually supports text-to-speech for, for Echo. And uh, there was a thread around that on, uh, on the Home Assistant Reddit, uh, subreddit uh, going, hey, you know, is that something we can do? So that would be kind of cool. So that means now, for example, I can have my Echo tell me when a door is open. For, as an example, something custom that, that 
it can't do anyways, right? So today there's no push. Yeah, you can actually yeah, you get her voice to actually announce things, which is Yeah, is is it something that I really want to Yeah, there, there's a good use case for that. Is it is it Ufill that has a separate uh separate system that basically for your for your voice out and then your echo is for your voice in? Uh yeah, so I have um Sonos speakers that do all the text to speech announcements. And um, I actually got some MP3 recordings of her voice mm. uh, so that it's just consistent. So when we talk to her, we get her voice. And then when the dishwasher or washing machine is done, I actually use the developer tools to um, download the MP3 file of her speaking. You know, hey, the washing machine is done. So then I play it over the Sonos speakers so it's all consistent. Okay. So, I, yeah, I use kind of in a similar method uh... – Sonos does all my text-to-speech, and then the Echoes are kind of the voice input. Uh, but I switched to Amazon Polly to get the voices a little closer. Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't do that very long ago. I think it was after one of the podcasts, actually. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe that's something I should look into. Um, but that's an interesting way of doing it is kind of pre-recording it so the voices match up. Now, so are are you saying that you can now use the echoes as a text-to-speech point? So, well, not in Home Assistant, but um, OpenHab okay. have, have open done hat. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you, we will leave a link in the show notes to the um, Reddit thread. There's, um, they boiled it down to basically a shell script. Um, there are some pros and cons for the way they're doing it, um, but apparently it's a, a service that can be called from the uh, Amazon uh, Echo configuration web panel. And yeah, it allows you know text to speech at least in OpenHab. So it would be cool to see that in Home Assistant soon. Interesting. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Yeah, I think I think when I was going through it the other day, uh, one of the things they talked about is uh, basically saying, yeah, because the way the shell script is written is you're actually going and basically screen it's it's almost like a screen recording right where where you it goes it logs in goes into the goes into the site basically types out the words it needs to say and then hits send kind of thing right, um, right. So, so that that's not a very uh, scalable way of doing it and it's not it's not a very uh you know like if, if amazon changes one small thing then boom everything's broken right like so right yeah i'm not sure i mean just i i could probably see the utility for uh, other people but Give it. I have this Sonos set up pretty much everywhere, it, it, pretty much the same spot where I have echoes and mostly dots. Yeah. The Sonos would make a, more sense. They're louder than you know the dots going to get. But for consistency's sake, I I, I was kind of already running through that. Oh, that that could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So so let me ask you: Do you have it? Uh, do you have it paused at night or something like that, or, or how does that work? 
So I do, um, I don't do any random announcements. Uh, right now, it's just kind of if I open the door between a certain, like I have a whole automation of if I come home and it's between these hours, uh, just give me a greeting when I open the door. So it kind of pauses after like, I think nine or 10 PM. Yeah. And then the other ones are alarm based. So I, I want it to wake me up if, you know, that gets triggered, but I don't have kind of routine announcements saying anything. Got it. Okay. At least not yet. Yeah, because one of the things I think Carlo was talking about was uh, right having having announcements in the middle of the night and like you know waking yeah. up waking up the kids or waking up the the partner or whatever. Hey, I, the ISS space station hey, is traveling overhead. Podca- yeah, after that podcast, I uh, <laughs> I went through and looked through his repo and was like, man, he's doing some really interesting things with that. Like a lot more than even I was kind of ever considering. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't he, know if I'd want that many. Because uh, I, I, I do a lot of just pushes to my phone, you know, because yeah. it's quiet enough. But yeah. Yeah, that's mostly what I do. Yeah, text speech can be very uh, attention grabbing and jarring when you don't necessarily want it to be. You know, a little yeah, text right. message would be better. Um, Jonas has emailed on, uh, has emailed the podcast at feedback at hotpasspodcast.io. Um, he's creating a plant database. So, uh, Rohan, you were just saying before, your my flora plant sensors. Yes. Um, he wants to uh, just basically create a plant database for Home Assistant, and he wants to keep that uh, updated with all the plants that you can put in. So then you just type in what plant you have in your home, and it will automatically complete the temperature, the humidity, the soil conductivity, all that for you. So if you are a green thumb and you would like to contribute to the plant database, we will put that link in the show notes for you. That's awesome. So, Aaron, now now it's uh, it's, it's your time to shine. Uh, All right. So, so yeah. I mean, uh, so, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Aaron. Uh, well, obviously, I live in St. Louis, Missouri, so middle of the country. Um, I work in the kind of enterprise tech field, uh, so I'm yeah. I've been around tech pretty much my whole life. You know, I started as like a, you know, Linux admin doing kind of that stuff. So this, you know, coming across the type, this type of thing, uh, kind of piqued my interest because it's also my hobby. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and, and your GitHub repo, um, tell us a little bit about that. First of all, what GitHub, second of all, kind of like, you know, what's, so um, that was, yeah, short, shortly after, um, I discovered Home Assistant. I was probably like most people, right? You're kind of trying to figure out uh, how to make automations, what's possible. You know, you kind of have this very small view of what it is you can do and you want to do because you're coming off of either the native applications or using Ift and you want to just recreate that. And then you start seeing other people doing much more complex things. And then you would go and I would look at the examples. I think when I started, there was maybe five other repos posted on the home assistant site. And I would just dig through them and say, wow, this is really interesting. They thought of something that I never would have thought of. Uh, And then I started getting kind of active on the subreddit and saying, you know, oh, you could try this or you could do this. I did it this way. Here's a little snippet. And somebody, I I don't remember who, I'd have to go back a while and look at the comments. Is like, well, why don't you post these on GitHub or share them or something? I was like, you know, that's that's an interesting idea. So I did that and I started sharing them on the uh, subreddit and on the forum and i got a lot of really positive feedback from them uh so i kind of just kind of kept it going from there uh and just keep it updated you know if i make some 
probably weekly or biweekly, if there's a new release and I change a couple things, I'll, you know, I'll update it. I kind of have that scripted now. Uh, and then I recently went through and re cleaned up my readme file. It was getting a little, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. at the, I think when I started, most people didn't really even have a readme on it. So I had like, here's the list of devices I'm using, uh, you know, so you kind of know where, you know, what it is I'm using for my sensors and my light bulbs and my switches. Uh, and then it, as, as people got better at it, you know, the, the readme's got a little better and, I was like, you know, I think it's time to clean this up. So I spent, you know, an afternoon going through and typing it up. There's some more polish I'd like to put on it. But yeah, and I actually go back and look at my own changes <laughs> yeah. sometimes. I'm like, well, how was I doing this a while ago? Now, that's a beautiful thing. The, and go look at the history. Yeah, the history is great. Yeah, I remember um, back when I first started using Home Assistant, there was like a list of GitHub repos and I, I kept stumbling onto yours, maybe from Reddit, from, and I just yeah. remember saying, wow, this is like, the most well laid out GitHub repo there was at the time. Well, and you know, I think yours is the only one I'd start. So yeah, you definitely made an impression for me. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, that, that was really my goal was, you know, uh, other people's repos had kind of helped me in the community. And I, I was like, as I do this, I kind of want to give back a little bit and help other people get started. And that was the big thing. You know, and that was a big overall in right. general, which really drew me into home assistant was the community. Yeah, absolutely. and I really didn't see another community that was as cordial and as helpful uh, as the home assistant community was, and so that was kind of a really way for me to kind of well let me help give back and show you, and also for feedback too. You know, am I doing something in a really convoluted way that makes no sense, and there's a very simpler way to do it, and somebody could point that out for me, which people have done, and it's been very useful. Yeah, I think I've seen a few pull some, requests made against your repo that you've merged yeah, in as well. I, I've done. One, and I, I'd have to go look, so I apologize to whoever it is that did it, but the one with the battery sensors with the dynamic icons, yes, that one's been great. Something very simple, but uh, they put that in, and I didn't think it was something that I would want or need, uh, but, I, but I really love that I, one. I that, copied that. One that. Was very... When I saw that pull request coming <laughs> yeah. on your repo, I, uh, I pinched that uh, the next day. Uh, but actually, that's like, that now- is, um, That is great. Yeah, that, that's actually natively supported with the new device classes for sensors, just an FYI. Ah. So, you don't have to do that. So, I probably don't need it anymore. No, you can oh. just uh, set up a sensor and call um, the device class battery, and it will do the icons and the percentages and all that for you. That's cool. Oh, well, now you gave me something to do for the weekend. There you go. Um, so, how are you running Home Assistant? Are you using a Raspberry Pi or- SIO, anything so fancy? I, yeah, I started with I started with the Raspberry Pi, uh, probably like most people, because I had some sitting around, and I ran into stability issues with the SD cards. You know, I bought uh, cheap. We have micro centers around here. They're kind of like similar to Fry's big box store, and I would buy like their cheap ones, uh, and they would fail on me. And it was getting to the point where I was getting really reliant on home assistant. When you right. start, you know, it's, oh, it turns the lights on. That's cool. And then you really start building things, and it becomes, <laughs> man, I, I forgot how to unlock doors myself. So I wanted something a little more reliable. Uh, and I built an, uh, an Ubuntu server VM and just ran it as a VM. Uh, and that worked for a long time. And then I discovered Docker and that kind of changed everything. Uh, and I now I just run it as a container. I, I don't use HasIO or uh, any of those things, I think, because I already had a setup going prior to that hap- you know, coming out and didn't really know if I wanted to change it. Uh, but I still kind of follow it and I look into it, but, uh, I, the Docker has been really stable for me, works really well in my workflow. 
uh, I kind of really enjoy using it that way. Yeah, I think Hassle is a great way for. You know, we, we are you know, Rohan yep. and I. We use Docker. We're not ashamed to admit that. Um, and uh, I think Hassle really allows people to, or you know, for people that are less technically inclined and they want the benefits of Docker, I think Hassle is a great way for them to get the benefits of Docker without having to get dirty and knowing the Docker yeah, commands right. that are using it. So. Yeah, and that that's usually the way I recommend uh, somebody starting out to do it. Because I'm like, well, you got to get a server that runs, you know, Docker, and then you got to do run these commands. It's a lot easier to say, well, follow these instructions. A lot more people are using it. Uh, so, yeah, I usually recommend Hezio for new people. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. So, so have you been using any other uh, controllers or anything before... Uh, home assistant or is this kind of your you're breaking into home automation so it was early uh i did the usual progression i think most people do you know you buy a device you use their native app oh this is neat i can have the thermostat you know change a setting when i come inside using their application and i can have hugh do something when at times based on their application i go well this is i'd like to string these together and of course yeah. the next thing that most people do is they go right to ift and you start using ift and then you go well, I want to do more. You know, I, I want some more options in here. Uh, and I haven't used Ift in a while and they may have fixed some of it. But and then I, I found it to be slow. So then I really started, well, what's the best way to kind of converge all these things down? And I don't even know how I came across Home Assistant. It may have been uh, on Reddit somewhere, <laughs> uh, probably, because that's where I was spending a lot of time. Uh, or, you know, searching, I did mess around with open hab, but didn't really care for it. Uh, I had supported yep. Java application servers in the past <laughs> and that kind of, yep. you know, was like, eh, I don't know if I want to mess with Java. <laughs> uh, so I found open hab and it was using, which I know a lot of people don't like, but it was using YAML and I was familiar with YAML and was like, okay, this is interesting. And I fired up and I think I had it running like that afternoon I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is exactly what I would like to do. And it kind of just progressed from there. And I think it was probably late 2015 was around when I started using Home Assistant because I published my repo in early right. 2016. So I had probably been using it for a few months that's cool. prior to that. Oh, nice one. And now that's pretty much all I use is Home Assistant, a pretty big evangelist for it as well. Like, I'm like, this this is the way to go. Trust me, you will not be <laughs> disappointed, you know. And what sort of components are you using? All right. All over the map. Uh, your standards, like Hue is kind of my main Zigbee controller. Yep. This was a big thing too when I cleaned up my repo was uh, point out how things are connecting. <clears throat> so I use the Hue Hub for anything Zigbee, so all of my light bulbs. And I have a mix of some actual Philips Hue bulbs and then some Cree connected. I bought some of those early on. I'm a big fan of the regular Cree light bulbs. Uh, so those all go through the Hue Hub. And then I use the Wink Hub, and it's a generation one for pretty much everything else. So Z-Wave, uh, Z the Lutron switches, uh, which I'm a big fan of the, the Cassetta switches. So I don't have their hub. I just use the Wink Hub for it. And then anything Z-Wave goes through the Wink Hub. And I kind of use it as a dumb hub. Yeah. I don't do any automations, use any robots through it. It just ties into Home Assistant. And then the rest of it's uh, you know, either Wi-Fi or whatever cloud component they need like my ecobee or uh, the right. wemo plugs some other things like that um how about for for presence detection uh for home and away and, and all that kind of stuff are you doing anything there 
So, yeah, so I use probably what very few people use now is Locative. Mm-hmm. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, it was one of the early ones, I think, that was integrated into Home Assistant. And it was iOS only at the time. I think they may have put out an Android app, but the development for it has kind of fallen off. Uh, he's not really doing a whole lot of updates for it anymore. But it has been the most rock solid, stable way I have found to do presence detection. And it works kind of simply by you set in the app geofences. And then when you break those geofences, either enter or exit, it sends a, uh, I think it's a, I forget exactly what it is. I'd have to go look. But it, it basically sends a command to Home Assistant and says, you know, this device has right. left this zone. Uh, you know, and here are the GPS coordinates for it. And it works 99 plus percent of the time, uh, almost no battery impact. So it's worked really, really great for me so far. So I just kind of keep using it. I've tried, I mean, pretty much everything under the sun I've tried, because uh, that that's always the big one, right? Is getting your presence detection yeah, to work properly. It's the most tricky one to get right. I, I tried the iCloud component, which really just, killed the battery. And I, I know I've seen some updates to it that has been a little less aggressive, but it would also, you know, uh, it pulls every so often and uses find my iPhone. It pulls yeah. every so often. I would find that, oh, you'd be home, but it wouldn't trigger until a few minutes later and then your battery would die. Uh, and then the, at the time I was having, I think I still had an Asus router before I switched and I would have problems with devices not leaving or coming back quick enough, mostly leaving, it would stay yeah. like if, as if it was home for like an hour or two. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. Or it would in the middle of the night, you know, cause iOS would put the phone to sleep, would drop off. So I actually built in, I still have it in my automation as kind of safety precautions that I have some booleans that get toggled after X amount of time uh, to keep that from happening. So I rarely action on you're actually home or away. It's kind of the booleans or, you know, if I action on home or away, it's that boolean has to be on to kind right. of mitigate. Cause I was having like things turn on in the middle of the night. This is in the early days of doing it. Uh, and then I, I also use, I'm a big, uh, big fan of the ubiquity networks, unify line, uh, which I was really, really excited to see when Paula said he was going to work there. I was like, Oh, that's great. Cause I love all their equipment. Uh, I use those for like everything else. So my two primary devices, for presence tracking, I use Locative. And then uh, everything else, I kind of use just the Unify. Sure. Uh, it's a you know network. If it's on my network or off my network, it's home or away. And I do that for, for I have a friends and family group. So I do some automations based on uh, other people being here, you know, overnight guests. Or, you know, I have people that I know if they come from out of town, they show up on my network, you know, do something different, adjust the climate for the upstairs level, or allow them into the house. So for that, I use Unify because I don't want to have to install an app on their phones and configure it and do all that. And that works. It has actually gotten a lot better lately. Uh, it, it works pretty reliably now. That's that's actually really cool. So yeah, it's it's I've 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 thought of trying to use uh, use that for like that kind of a methodology for guests and stuff. And it's like I, I don't know. I think I was always just put off by the amount of effort <laughs> that would take. And I was like, ah, okay, it, maybe, it maybe not. It was. And then what I ended up doing was I made a group. So I have like two groups. I have a friends and family group. And then I have a house guest group or an overnight guest group, I think I call it. And then I put like specific people in those that group because I know that if they're here, they're out of town, 
they're most likely going to be staying overnight. So, you know, do some things. The other one's just kind of friends and family. And I'll have, you know, uh, don't, don't turn the lights off outside, you know, my, my backyard patio lighting. Don't turn those off at a specific time if they're here. Cause we may be sitting outside. Sure. You know, who knows? So I, I, I don't do a lot of crazy things with it. Uh, but when I built those groups, it made it a lot easier to do so. And then if I have somebody staying long term, you know, I, it, you know, I may be gone or I, it, I will uh, briefly allow them to, if they show up, it will unlock the doors for them, turn some lights on for them, kind of treat them as a temporary member of the household. Right. Well, that's mm, that's nice. really cool. Yeah. So how many people are in your smart home? Uh, two primarily. Uh, it's just myself and my girlfriend. And we're the ones that use 90% of the location stuff. Uh is based on, you know, us either coming or going. And we both have kind of very odd schedules. She works in the medical field and I work in the tech field and yeah. I either work from home or I'm on the road and I'm on the road, you know, quite a bit. Uh, so we don't have our routines are kind of all over the map. So being able to like just trigger things, if one of us are home or both of us are home or, you know, coming and going made it much more useful than trying to just build schedules around things. Nice. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's really interesting. So what are, uh, so out of, out of everything you've set up, like out of all your automations, routines, whatever you want to call them, um, what's, uh, what, what are your favorites and, and, and why, like how they made your life better? So, you know, it's so tough to pick one. <laughs> uh, pro- probably the home and away ones are the most useful by far. Uh, coming home and no longer carrying keys, uh, or the garage door opener, uh, it's gotten to the reliability point that now my door locks also have keypads on them. So in case something doesn't work, I can still get in the house. Right. Uh, but you know, pulling up and the garage door opens, the door unlocks and the lights turn on. Those are like the most you kind of day in day out use. And they're just useful. You don't even notice, uh, that you're using them. In fact, anecdotally, I had, we, we've come to rely on it so much that at one point I was on a business trip and the MyQ was giving me grief and it turned out to be something ridiculous like the LED bulbs that were in there were interfering with the radio on it and it wasn't working anymore. Oh. I was like, well, I can't fix it until I get home. Make sure you close the garage door when you leave in the morning. <laughs> and of course, I would check and the garage door was still open. Oh, no. So because you've gotten so used to it's just going to close and it's just going to open. Uh so, I mean, and that just kind of shows how reliant, you know, you become on it. Sure. Uh, so those are probably my favorite. And then I get the neat ones, you know, when I, uh, if I left and I toggle this Boolean on, you know, and it's between, I think, 8 a.m. and 10 p.m. Greet me when I walk in the door. That one always blows my friend's minds. I, I actually had it for a while. I removed it because it did get so cumbersome. Uh, greeting my friends as they came in. <laughs> and that one always blew their mind. They were they would be so kind of creeped out by it because, <laughs> you know, they come in and the Sonos would welcome them or say something, you know, to make fun of them. <laughs> uh, that always, cre- that always creeped them out. And I always got a kick out of it, but then, you know, managing all those uh, text to speech automations got a little, little tough. <laughs> so I, I removed them. That's funny. So you guys have mentioned uh, today, like that you both have garage door openers. I don't, and I see a lot of people, they seem to be very, popular with um, home automation users. So how accurate is, you know, your automation, Aaron, with getting like pulling up the car, like 
is there a delay before the garage door opens like or is it just perfect like it's it's pretty perfect it's not a hundred percent it's in the 90 percent range uh it works really well for me most of the time. Now I also, you know, I'm in a similar boat that my garage is detached. So it's at the end of my property. Right. Uh, it's an older house. So the house wasn't, you know, it was built almost a hundred years ago. There wasn't a garage when they built the house, they added it on. It's at the back of the property. Uh, so there's really nothing else in there. I mean, it fits two cars and that's about it. Right. So for me, uh, being able to have it open when I pull up and then it closes, I think I padded, 10, 15 minutes after I'm home, it will close the door. So it's, it's not an entrance into my house. So I don't have kind of the security concerns that some people do, but it, but it works. I mean, pretty reliably. Uh, I rarely have any problems with it. And how do you have it automated? Like, is it detected? So when you arrive in your zone for the first 15 minutes, the garage door opens up. Yeah. So it's when I break, uh, let me, uh, cause this is one of my older ones. Uh, so I actually set, I have two, two modes and I, I thought this was very clever when I thought about it. Um, I have a, a way in driving and a way in kind of just walking or just away. Right. So the neighborhood I live in is kind of very walkable and there's other things. So sometimes we don't take the cars and we just walk up the street someplace. Yeah. Uh, so I don't want the garage door opening when I come back from walking cause I don't need to get into the garage door. So what I did was, uh, when you exit the zone, so when I go away, and if that garage door is open, toggle on the Boolean that I drove. Oh, because nice. there would be no reason that the door would be open and I would leave with it open unless I was driving my right. car. So instead, because I was going down in my head, all kinds of crazy, complicated paths of, well, how do I track my car? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a sensor, I break the sensor. And that was a very simple solution just because of my scenario that it's detached and I'm not walking out the garage door. Uh, so only when that hap- that that happens, then when I come home, the garage door opens. Uh, if I le- walk, uh, it will also unlock the front door and the back door. It'll unlock both doors. So I'm not burning. Uh, if I drive, it only unlocks the back door. So I'm not burning out the batteries yep, in the front yep. door all the time. So I, I kind of built some automations around that, but it's usually just, you know, coming home or away and that toggles on the garage door opens. That's very smart. Unlock, turns the lights on and, you know, unlocks the back door. And I also have it set to, uh, my girlfriend works, she works pretty early in the morning. And this was actually one of the things that prompted me to do some of the home automation stuff is it would be, uh, you know, being in the medical field, it'd be really early in the morning, which a lot of people in the tech business don't get up (laughs) super early. Uh, it's, it's dark outside, you know? So she's like, it's dark. So I started doing things like, uh, well, I'll just have the lights come on very low early in the morning. And then I started getting kind of crazy with calendars. Uh, so if on our calendar, it says work, it turns that on. So that's only the time the lights come on. But uh, now I have it set now if it's set that she's working and she opens that back door in the morning between a specific hour, the garage door will automatically open. So she doesn't even have to uh, tell the echo to open the garage door, or do anything else. It's just opening of the door on days that she works, she's home between these hours, open the garage door. And that's like just one of those very small things that seems to be very, very useful. 
That's, yeah, that's, that's really neat. cool. So, what are you what are you doing for for the? And, and I, I'm I'm genuinely asking just out of pure selfishness. Um, what are you, what are you doing to integrate the uh, Echo with your with the with the MyQ? Is is that running through Home Assistant or is that running through like what's what's the deal? Yeah, so it's it's through Home Assistant, and it was <laughs> I I did it very simply. Uh, I did emulate it you and created a boolean. Uh, I think I just called yeah. it garage door. And then I have it pick up that, right? So it, Hue sees it as a, or sorry, Echo sees it as a light and you turn on or off. But then I wrote some automations that uh, when that switch goes to on, open the garage door. When it goes to off, close the garage door. And then I have some automations that if the state of the garage door changes on its own, let's say I use the Home Assistant app or what, you know, whatever else, it toggles that thing right. on. So it, it, it always matches what the garage door is doing. And that that's kind of how I did it. I, I do a few others that way as kind of my uh, quick and dirty way of getting echo integration to things that probably aren't supported natively. Yeah. By yeah. It. Yeah. Cause I know at one point when I had that going, I had to actually say, Hey, turn off the garage door, turn on the garage door <laughs> for it to open right. and close. Right. You do have to say, t- you do have to say, turn on and yeah. turn off. Uh, although I think, and I don't know if I tested it. I think I put in the, you know, the echo now has the routines. And I think I made some that said like, when I say open garage door, right. Turn oh, that, you know, nice turn that light bulb it. on it. And it thinks it's turning a light bulb on. That's cool. Uh, and one of the other, one of the other neat ones I like, um, I like so many of them. I could probably talk for forever on that, uh, is my bedtime automation. So it, and it literally just does exactly what you would think. It just shuts everything off. Uh, and through the echo, I do a similar thing of, uh, turn on bedtime or it's bedtime. I think I wrote some routines in the echo that all toggle that on. And when it does, it shuts all the lights off, locks all the doors, make sure the garage is closed, uh, resets the thermostat, uh, to sleep mode. If it's like before, I think it's automatically scheduled to go into sleep mode at like 11 PM or something like that. But do, if it's before 11 PM, do that. Uh, and that one's like one of those that I just rely on every day because I just go to bed and I, you know, I have the lights on in the house and the, the TV's still on and I just say it's bedtime and five minutes later, everything right. shuts off. And it, it's, uh, that one's just kind of daily useful. And there's a lot of them like that. The ones that you don't think about, but they're really useful might, you know, the, uh, the Roomba ones, you know, I run the Roomba. If I am home during the week. Uh, I think at 10 a.m. Because if I'm home and it's a weekday and it's 10 a.m., I'm in my office, which is on the second floor. So run the Roomba, but make sure my girlfriend's not home because it's really loud and she'll be right. down on the first floor. So it only runs when she's not here. Or if we both leave, uh, you know, 15 minutes later, turn the Roomba on. And then I have the 900 series, which has the uh, camera that it uses yeah. to see. Uh, and at night, it doesn't do real well in the dark unlike previous Roombas. So I have it turn some low lighting on uh, if it runs at night, you know, and then turn the, turn that lighting off when it, when it's done cleaning. And that one's been great. I mean, that one just works all the time and a lot less intrusive than just trying to schedule, you know, given our kind of crazy schedule, scheduling the Roomba to run at specific times and up, oh, turn it off. Cause it's loud. And I'm yeah, trying to yeah. watch TV, you, you know, at this time. That's cool. That's yeah. That's awesome. Some really, uh, cool automation ideas i sit around you know the way the way i view it is i i sit around and think of things that either annoy me <laughs> or you know things i would like to automate and i do kind of the thought experiments of well, how how could i make this right. happen 
And then I start running through it. Then next, you know, a couple hours later, you came up with some crazy new thing to automate. Uh, and that's kind of just over time is why I have so many automations because I just think of crazy different things to try and I just keep adding them in. And, you know, I, I my pace is slowed because I think I'm running out of things to automate. Uh, you know, every week I would try to add at least one or two new things to it. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you, you hit that, you hit a certain point, right? We're like, okay, I think, I think everything I need is, is done. And at some point you need to just sit back and enjoy it too. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And that's been more the case. I actually, I haven't added a whole lot of new devices lately, although I'm the, the, the plant sensors yeah. have intrigued me uh, and a few other things. Uh, and I added, I think I added two or three new smart bulbs last week. Uh, and like one of the very few remaining lights that were not, you know, yeah. smart, uh, which I think I'm down to like two in the basement that don't, you know, two storage rooms that don't really get used. It's like every other light in the house now um, running out of things like I'm, I'm kind of like shopping for new devices, new things I want to try because, you know, I enjoy doing sure. it as well. It's 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 a big hobby. So I think uh, everyone that uh, is into home assistant <laughs> right. is guilty of that, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, don't don't get into this unless, you know, uh, you're willing to spend some money on new devices and a lot of time. Like, it, you, you have to kind of want to do it. It's it's not a, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but simple yeah, hobby, or cheap. you know. Yeah. <laughs> or cheap. Yeah, very definitely not cheap. <laughs> Cheap's, cheap, cheap's always the one that I, I've, there's been a few people on Reddit. You know, I want to do this and I was like. I'm just going to warn you when you, as soon as you go down this rabbit hole, you think yeah. you're going to start small because everybody starts small and then it just, it blows up and then you're buying all kinds of crazy things every week. I think I, I started with the Ecobee. I bought, I ordered it. I think the day I closed on my house cause I had always wanted a smart thermostat. I was like, that is just so cool. I can, you know, I can remotely control it. And it just kind of snowballed pretty <laughs> yeah. rapidly from there. It was, you know, the, I bought the Hue Hub and then, ooh, what's this Wink Hub? And then, I mean, it just went kind of off the rails there for a few <laughs> months of buying new things all the time and adding it. I was like, this is so cool. I could do all these crazy things. And then you get to a point where you want all those different things to start talking to each other. And then you have to bring right. in Home Assistant and then it goes on and Which on. Which is what led me to Home Assistant. Yeah. yeah. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us this week. We will leave links to your awesome GitHub repo uh, on the show notes as well. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Uh, it's been great. Thanks, man. Cheers. Cheers.